welcome to the first episode of 2018. New year, same podcast. New year, same crew. Actually, new crew. Uh, so everybody, welcome to this year's episode of Floor 9, coming to you live from CS 2018. Uh, and before we dive in, I'll give you a quick a, a quick overview of the, of the lab and uh, what we do here. The IPG Media Lab is a specialized group dedicated to innovation working across Interpublic Network. For over a decade, we've been evaluating new technology, identifying how it changes consumer behavior and media consumption, and providing our clients with actionable insights to help navigate the ever-evolving media landscape. So welcome. Welcome to Floor 9. So before we dive in, Adam, say hello. Hello. He's one of our many guest stars this week. You'll be hearing the lovely voices of all the lab team. The entire team. The entire team is here. And we're at CES. We're live from the Westgate. Uh, Can can you give everybody a brief overview of what what CES is and why it's such a uh, a big deal? So yeah, CES is the Consumer Electronics Show. It's been going on for decades now, um, and it's changed uh, a lot um, in uh, recent years. Uh, this year at CES in 2018, there were over uh, 170,000 uh, registered attendees, although from what we're hearing, only about 70 or 80,000 of those actually made it onto the show floor. Uh, it did seem a little less crowded this year than it has in recent years. Um, CES has changed a bunch. Uh, it used to be you know, mainly televisions and appliances, uh, and while all those devices are still here, uh, it's really been hard for the consumer electronics industry to ignore the influence of the smartphone uh, and mobile computing. So um, everywhere on the show floor, whether it's cars, uh, appliances, TVs, or um, the whole new uh, uh, the whole new SANS uh, Expo uh, that has been added to the show in recent years, uh, <clears throat> that showcases basically uh, entirely new companies and products that would not have been possible uh, pre-smartphone. Um, yeah, there's just innovation everywhere. Uh, so the lab comes to CES every year in January uh, to scout out new companies and to walk our clients through the emerging trends that we're seeing. Not everything from the CES show floor actually becomes shippable consumer products, uh, but it's still useful uh, for us to be able to see what companies are pushing. It's sort of every company's idealized version of how they would like consumers to interact with their brands. Um, that's obviously valuable information we can take back home to New York uh, and to advise our brands throughout the year as we see uh, these new technologies and trends emerge. Fantastic. Well. I don't know about the North or Central Hall, but the Sands was jam-packed every day. Every day, every especially day. in Eureka Park. Uh, and when we, before we really get in, into every, everything, I'd like to talk more about kind of the scouting and, and really the prep that the lab does here uh, at CES uh, to really get ready for this. So we um, fly in early. A couple days before the show starts. A couple starts. days before the show starts, and we kind of see a, a miniature city be you know erected you know different you know technology companies startups to like your big players like samsung and lg and, and of course all the automakers and uh we go through and look and see not only before we even get to the show floor but when, once once we're here we actually go see and i see physical products and the companies themselves to plan out a route for our clients to really give give, give them the highlights of the show because like there's just so much technology to see uh that you, you just can't do it all well to even take a step back we're actually tracking ces probably a few weeks before the show starts so understanding what are some of the headlines um looking into the exhibitor list putting together overviews to make sure that we're prepped even before we get feet on the ground before scouting as 
things are being erected, as you mentioned. Yes. And the two places that we really uh, dive into are the LVCC, which is the Las Vegas Consensus Center, and they have the Central North and South Hall and South Hall 2, and as well as the Sands Expo, which has the, the Sands Expo is the upper floor, and then, of course, Eureka Park is the bottom floor of the Sands Expo. So then let's get right into the technology. Let's just like, dive straight in. So, Adam, would you like to talk about the Sands or the LVCC? Where did you find yourself feeling at home? Besides the Westgate, uh, I I actually uh, don't want to talk about a specific location. I want to talk about the home platform stuff. Okay, which sort of spanned mm-hmm. both the central hall um, with the the large uh, home appliance makers like LG, Samsung, um, and also into uh, the top floor of the Sands. Um, with all of the integration we were seeing with Google Assistant. Uh, If you've seen anything about CES 2018, what you probably have seen is how big Google's presence was here this year. Last year in 2017, Alexa was everywhere. Um, It was uh, the hot new thing to integrate um, into appliances and connected devices, as well as, uh, you know, new speakers and microphones that uh, to let people access Alexa through them, um, whether that's in the home or in the car or, you know, from your washing machine. Uh, This year, um, Google branding was everywhere. Uh, It uh, seems pretty clear um, that even though obviously they have a lot of partnerships and a lot of these uh, these partnerships are real and are going to be shipping to consumers, um, Google obviously paid a lot of money to to make sure that they were in the headlines for CES this year. Right. Um, and they and still couldn't <coughs> weatherproof their display. Or yeah, yeah it, like their tent's still flooded. But I would say, so we saw, you know, it seems that the conversation revolves around Alexa and Google Assistant. Um, do we think Apple is out of the running when it comes to the like this home OS that we're really starting to see develop in 2018? Yeah, I think one of the big mistakes that we're seeing in a lot of the media is just assuming that voice is the only thing that matters in the home. Uh, it's true that um, Alexa and Google Assistant are ahead, and actually Alexa is further ahead than Google Assistant for sure, despite their present Google's presence at the CES this year. Um, but <clears throat> Apple has a pretty robust platform. It actually works with a lot more, a lot wider variety of devices than Amazon's or Google's. They're also working directly with um, builders who are constructing new homes to build HomeKit directly mm-hmm. into their platforms. Uh, the point really is that um, Apple does have a platform, and they are behind in voice in the fact that they're you're not able to access uh, Siri from third-party hardware. Uh, TBD if that will come. I think that they probably have another year or two to sort that mm-hmm. out um, before they're truly behind. But I think it's important to remember voice is just one of the interfaces for the home. I would also say the TV is uh, an interesting interface um, and entry point for these platform players into the home. Yeah, and, and when you talk about TV, I mean, this year Roku um, is really kind of looking to become that kind of like connected TV like device that you can use kind of to like control your home. Yeah, so Roku, um, one of their announcements, Roku obviously has the, the, or maybe not obviously, Roku has one of the most, um, has the highest sales in terms of connected set-top boxes for streaming. Um, They've also been embedding their software into TVs for a while. Uh, They announced a platform for speaker devices as well this year that they're licensing to third parties to embed their technology into speakers. So essentially, it's like white labeling its user interface, correct? Yep, correct. So it's yeah. not really going after the top, the Comcast or the top tier um, telecom or cable networks. It's the mid tier uh, to compete with somebody like a, um, was it AT&T's Uverse or DirecTV, who they own again? Well, Roku's not actually providing that 
level of subscription service. It's just the interface. Just the interface. Apps. The one thing that Roku does provide system-wide is an ad platform. Uh, and Roku um, announced their quarterly earnings in uh, at the end of last year. Their stock price literally doubled overnight because their ad platform is doing so well. So the Kodaks. So, so we should be investing right now, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I think Look the, out on the horizon, everybody. We, not, we an not, IPO is coming. <laughs> we are not. Uh, they're actually public already. Oh. <laughs> um, we are not uh, stock advisors, of course. But um, uh, or financial advisors. But actually, the thing that has me most interested. Um, normally, this Roku sort of uh, home platform wouldn't be that interesting to us. Uh, they, I don't think they really stand a chance going it alone against uh, Google and Amazon uh, and Apple. But uh, the rumor on the floor is that Facebook might be looking to acquire them. Uh, and if that happens, then we have all four of our major tech platforms with both connected speakers uh, and a home platform and a TV interface. Uh, and I think that would make for a really exciting 2018. Right. And this, and, and this is really developing into what we can call a home OS or a home operating system. In 2018, it seems that uh, the home is now a new entry point and there, like there's new time, there's it's new a space. For each room. It's a battle for each room and it presents a new opportunities for companies to really like kind of get involved and uh, gather attention, whether it be through a connected mirror or a connected stovetop or a toilet or a TV. Um, we'll be kind of battling for attention now actually in your home. And we saw it in 2017. It was really the battle for you know Google Assistant versus Alexa. That was kind of the war. And now we're seeing this really overall you know home whether like again, yeah, yeah. whether whether it's your front yard to your door and, locks to whatever it might be. And before that, it was the battle of the actual platform. So it's going to be HomeKit or Google Home. Um, so yeah, there's there's uh, it's connected home stuff has obviously been around for a while, but it's really shaping up into being these this giant platform battle with all of the familiar faces from technology platforms we've seen before, and then we see all the appliance makers and all of the um, sort of startups who are doing things like connected cameras and uh, and locks and stuff sort of align themselves uh, in one direction or another. Adam, let me ask you this: so when it comes to CES um, or for other conferences like South by is really focused on startups and startup announcements, Mobile World Congress is around mobile mobile obviously but for ces is it like the voice the voice uh, conference where if you're going to showcase something you're trying to integrate something you do it here you announce it here is that what i always see, say ces is a hardware conference um right so um everything here is focused on hardware and right now voice just happens to be one of the places where hardware is focused and, Again, er, and entertainment like you said earlier yeah, yeah it I seems like really, like netflix is having kind of a bigger presence like launching shows we saw like there was like the, the entertainment variety um panel that came out about yeah CES just has so much attention. I think everybody's trying to turn it into their own conference. Auto obviously has been here recently a lot in, lot in recent years. This year, like there was an entire section of the Upper Sands uh, that had uh, mattresses. Like, like sleep, sleep tech yeah, is sleep pretty tech, big. Sleep tech. Well, <laughs> it's pretty silly. Like, to, is CES going to be an auto show and an electronic show and a mattress show? Like, that's uh, <laughs> that robot pillow. That I robot need pillow. to get I need it. it. So monks. Yes, Only five hundred euros. Yeah. Well, and so kind of to that point when we were talking about sleep tech and it's you know, one of the other themes, uh, excuse me. The, one of the other themes that we've seen here this, at CES is that the, you know these connected devices. Um, you know, we're really trying to quantify everything about our lives. Uh, between a sleep tech, connected fitness devices tracking our health, DNA tests that say, you know, based off your genetics, you know, these these are the diets you should have, these are the foods you should eat, these are the workouts you should have. Um, it's really a trend seeing that you know it's like we want to quantify and make ourselves like the perfect human beings based off data, like things that we can actually measure. 
But here's my thing. So a lot of these activity trackers are showing, all right, steps taken, calories burned, but there's no actual insight. Like I haven't seen somebody actually tackle that. Yeah, this is something that we've been, and I think this is a problem with the sleep tech also. Yeah, you can tell me how well I've slept, but I probably already know that, you know, even more so than activity. I yeah, for when, when you minutes, wake up in the morning, yeah. if it's just like, oh, I'm still tired, mm, probably right. didn't sleep that right. well. So I think I think that's actually the big missing thing that consumers are really looking for, for a lot of this uh, quantified self. Um, the DNA tests, I'd say, are a little closer, but the, we've seen this micro trend of these at-home DNA tests who are going to help you fix your diet or optimize your, your workout. But like, I, they're so new. I don't think we know how well they work um, and I think uh, everybody's looking for that they, they just want that virtual coach whether it's for diet or fitness to like tell them what they should be doing solos so yeah. else, yes. Smart yeah, anywhere from the, yeah, it's like it, it reaches all the way down from like the at home fitness to like Olympic athletes. Uh, as Angel mentioned, the company Solos, they're a um, a pair of sunglasses with a heads-up display uh, and a built-in uh, coach. You're able to uh, pull up real-time data, past data, and it has a speaker. So your coach and it's they're they're helping train the Olympic team, mm -hmm. the U.S. Olympic team. Um, you're also able to have a two-way communication if you have if you're with other riders, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh, it is for cycling. Yes, Solos is for cycling. <laughs> in case anybody didn't get that. Um, so with that, I think we'll move into some of our celebrity guests here, the rest of the lab team. We'll start off with Josh. You might have already heard him before. Uh, Josh, so you were really uh, at the Las Vegas Convention Center giving, giving tours, and we'd love to hear from you, uh, you know, like two, of your, like two or three of your top companies that you uh, saw at the convention center and maybe some trends. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, a couple of things, just actually going back to some of the things that Adam had mentioned before. I think that what it, what is really interesting to me and it actually is very entertaining is this arms race that is taking place between all of these major power companies, Google, Facebook, Amazon, uh, you know, Microsoft trying to kind of still stay in the game. Um, and so it, just from a, as, as a consumer, it's kind of interesting to sit back and see sort of the power fight and the struggle and the acquisition strategy that those guys put forth. Um, you know, Without question, the, uh, the the North Hall was really centered on on autonomy as being sort of the key theme. Um, but it wasn't just autonomy in in automobiles. And I think as we as you guys talked about earlier on in terms of some of the home OS stuff, like autonomy is the name of the game, right? Mm -hmm. And how all of these different ecosystems and and devices and connected uh, platforms are all going to kind of work together. I personally, I think I may, I'm a little bit more skeptical in terms of the adoption because I don't know how many people are going to go rip out, you know, a kitchen and go, uh, you know, spend. Well, so believe it or not, on on, on one of my tours, um, one of our clients, uh, they're from the UK, and they said, "Is there a startup out there that is ripping out kitchens and making the whole home platform like you know connected?" Because he's like, "We have a house, but it's all old, and I don't know how to get it hooked up." Yeah, there is. It's so the Property Brothers, the Property Brothers, oh, hey. great, <laughs> great, great partners of the IPG Media Lab. Yes. So thank so you, Scripps. There's a company that's not doing it for for kitchens, but they're doing it for workspace. So if you mm, outgrow like a WeWork yeah. and set up as a CEO, you don't have time to actually like find a place, renovate it. There's mm. companies out there. There's one specific company out there that does it for you, which is crazy yeah. but back to CES yes back to CES but Josh, let me go ask on. you this though let me ask you this um, so you brought up Microsoft which is really interesting I didn't step foot in the in the LVCC in the North or Central Hall did mm. you see any products actually integrating Cortana because I remember last year there was that's one a, that, that's a good one that's a good point I forget what car manufacturer integrated Cortana, but did you see anything from your? No, era? no, I did not. We were, we were too focused on uh, having a drinking game around how many Hey Googles we saw. <laughs> so uh, if we were using Cortana, it would have been a pretty sober tour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Josh, thank you for coming on the podcast. It was my pleasure. It was fantastic. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Truly an honor. I can't wait to have you back again. Hang around. Yeah, hang, hang around. around. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Who do we have here? It's Christina, <laughs> one of the newest members of the lab, 2018 newest edition. How's it feel? How's it feel? How Very it, excited. What is this week number two? Week week two, yeah. So how is how is week two new job at CES treating you? We kind of baptize you with the fire. How are you feeling? Don't tell HR how many hours. Yeah, you yeah. Work don't this do. Week. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm feeling good. Feeling it's good? good to be out here. Awesome. So you were kind of with Josh in the Las Vegas Convention Center. Mm-hmm. So what did you see uh, that really piqued your interest? Like what was your favorite product out there for our listeners to, you know, if they were to buy it right now, what would they get? It can well, be a, it can be a car. Well, you can't quite buy this one okay. right now yet. Love um, it already. Something I saw that was interesting, especially for people who live in urban environments, was not just mobility of people, but mobility of things and bringing autonomy to um, help service both last mile delivery and facilitate the movement of goods around the city. Yes. Um, one that we saw that was particularly interesting was Toyota is releasing... Uh, or maybe, or had a concept. Yeah. <laughs> announced, <laughs> announced, and we have air quotes. Right. Um, their e-pallet machine, which is a multi-use uh, transportation transportation vehicle uh, that's meant to deliver goods around the city. So they've partnered with Pizza Hut. They also have Uber and Amazon mm-hmm. on as partners and um, really interesting way to bring autonomy to service convenience. Christina, what... What were some of the trends you saw as you were walking through? And I'll, I love this point of view because this was your first CES. Mm-hmm. So I want to see it from your eyes and yeah. hear from, from your the, mouth. From, from the ground floor, let us know. Yeah, we so we've touched on autonomy um, a couple times during the show, so I won't belabor that point. Um, in Connected Home, just to bring the example to life that in a that I thought was really interesting on both show floors was within the kitchen and within the bathroom you're starting to see these connected ecosystems and these hardware manuf- or not hardware manufacturers appliance manufacturers mm. are starting to own certain rooms of the house yes. um, and so how that comes to life is for example with whirlpool they've yep. partnered with yumly on this integration in kitchens that i thought was super smart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pull up a recipe on the yumly app Yep. It'll then program your oven to the exact temperature uh, that that recipe needs and then also program your dishwasher. So, for example, if you're cooking macaroni and cheese, it's going to be a heavy load with lots of pots and pans. It'll set your dishwasher to that. Um, to the turbo mode, the power the mode. turbo mode. Yeah. So it really takes the thinking out That's of That's an actual mode? Cooking. Turbo mode? I don't oh, you have don't? a dishwasher. Yeah. Oh, you don't? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Turbo <laughs> mode in my hand. That's actual mode for Whirlpool. So you're using elbow grease. So you're yeah, so back, yeah. you know, in, Good old fashioned. in the 20th century. Yeah. God bless your soul. Um, yeah, no, but I, th- I, I, I think that's just like, just fantastic. And like, not only did Whirlpool partner with, I think they actually acquired. No, they didn't yeah, par- yeah, they didn't partner. Yeah, they acquired they, they, Yumley. They acquired Yumley to really set up this kind of like home kitchen appliances and like making it seamless so it's just uh, everything's alive and ready when you start cooking and when you finish uh but they also you know like dark horse they announced they're making an, an app for the apple watch so you can then control all your devices up to 20 devices um from your wrist so you know make, you're setting the temperature um timers it can, it can all be done just from your wrist which i actually think is really smart too because if you think about your washer and dryer on 
um, you don't necessarily want to vocalize the fact that you're checking on your washer or dryer. It's much easier to just look at your wrist and yeah. get a status update. So, Richard, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Floor 9. Say hello. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> You're so enthusiastic. I love it. Uh, so some background on, on Richard. He is the wizard behind the keyboard that is uh, publishing all of our weekly newsletters, our content, our Instagram, our Twitter. Uh, and he really focuses on overarching strategies with Adam. So uh, he is just a wealth of knowledge and just an inspiration to me personally. So Richard, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So yeah, while you guys were busy scouting the floor, Shaking baby and kicking, kissing hands. Yes, we were. And I was just running around from different venue to another, trying to catch all the five big keynotes of this CES. And I can give you a definitive list of those five keynotes from the worst to the best. Whoa! Yeah. I like where right. this is going. We're calling. We're calling yeah. out companies. Yeah, we're, let's go. We're calling out. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. Let's go for the worst. The worst. Let's the hear worst. it. Yeah. Let's do that. It's the one with Huawei. 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 Sorry to say that. You know, me being a Chinese, I want Chinese company to do well, but their keynote was just so disappointing. In the program, they teased about. Uh, they're gonna talk a lot about 5G and AI yeah. and how they're gonna use that to leverage that to sell their flagship phone in the US. And that's the Mate 10, right? Uh, yeah, it's the Mate 10 Pro. Mate 10 Pro. And uh, yeah, what we got instead was mostly just a product launch. Okay. Instead of actually insights from like to their strategy when it comes to more than just the hardware specs. Uh, they did have a hard time going into this keynote because the day before their keynote, AT&T pulled out of a deal that was supposed to be starting their uh, latest uh, phone. And that was the night before. It was the night before, yeah, yes. The before. So Jesus. they literally just have no one to turn to. And because 90% of US phone sales actually uh, transacted through carriers, this really just limit their entire distribution. So I don't really play them, but also like the keynote it's not that interesting. Right. Got it. Okay, so who's uh so that was five? That was number yep. five. That was number five. five. Let's go to number four. Let's go to four. Number four i I'm sorry to say but the first keynote of the entire CES. Intel. Intel. Really? Wow. That one was also very like smoke and mirror mostly. They okay. Bought, but literally bought smoke and mirrors. Yeah, they, they, had, they, 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 had, they had that. They had that there. They bought the entertainment value. I had to hand it to them. But disappointingly, though, like there's no really substantial announcement that we were right. hoping to hear. Um, they did have that really interesting thing about quantum computing. Okay, yes, there the, is the, the fact that they had a major breakthrough and came up with the 49 qubit quantum computing. And for those who don't really understand quantum computing from like normal computing, just think about the big power lip between uh horsepower and electricity. Mm -hmm. That's what we'll be seeing in terms of computing processing once we once quantum computer become uh, widely 
available. So right. it's the beginning of Skynet, basically. Yeah, you can see that. It's like <laughs> the future of AI is going to be running the, the, on those. On those chips. Like the whole super AI thing that people have been. Yeah. So should NVIDIA be concerned? Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. All the chip maker, uh, well, it's more Qualcomm, IBM, those okay. are the ones that are doing that. I don't, I don't think NVIDIA is like very actively looking into quantum computing. I might need to fact check. I might need to fact check myself later on. <laughs> later on. Yeah, I I don't really hear Nvidia's name come out mm-hmm. that much. They're more in the graphic uh, chip yeah, GPUs. Business. So yeah. Um, and I, I, well, I, I was I would say this quickly about so Intel. So they made a kind of like a big thing this year about like five G. And did you hear any, anything that was really impressive from them about well, that? They're doing the chips. The chip. For the the, the chips for okay. Uh, yeah. Well, who else? Who else is doing chips? So it's it's uh, Intel, it's Qualcomm. Who else are cre- who's actually creating these five G chips? IBM. 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 Is, oh, yeah. see, I didn't I didn't know that. They're they're part of that business. They're part of like competition. Uh, so yeah, and going number three. Moving moving on yep. to the third one. Uh, it's more of a tie actually between the second and third. No, no, no. There's no ties here. Yeah. There's, there's no ties. <laughs> okay. Right, yeah. Well, Who's if it? I had to pick, I would pour a fourth uh, keynote as third. A third, okay. Uh, fourth, they okay. had a pretty interesting keynote, but they have a bit of disadvantage of coming out of their coming out with their uh, future mobility concept one day later than Toyota did. Uh, on the day. Bummer. So when they came out with their uh, transportation mo- mobility cloud platform, it already seemed like an uh, original idea. Yeah. When Toyota just announced something pretty similar, the e-palacing that Christina was just talking about. Right. Got it. Um, but they do have, they do intend to make this a uh, open platform, and I don't think Toyota actually have any intention of doing that. Okay. They want to control the fleet of autonomous autonomous vehicles whereas four is more okay with other car makers actually jumping on their autonomous mobility system to actually they actually try to be the os for self-driving car interesting which is a very interesting idea coming on that keynote yeah and then and then with the uh, with ford actually in their booths we saw that they had uh partnerships with postmate and Domino's uh to help them kind of like like work for like autonomy and 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 delivery and i i just love like Domino's. there they have like a mission it is how quickly can i get you a pizza from point a to point b and they are Everywhere it's and a technology every device. company yeah, that sells are. pizza. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's I mean, totally. that, absolutely. Yeah. Adam was talking about earlier how IKEA should totally have a boots here at CES. I think Domino's. One hundred percent. I feel like Domino's yes. should also have one. Just like they're basically a technology company. Well, it's perfect yeah. because IKEA, first of all, has like now specific furniture that yes. wirelessly charges yep. your phone. Yep. And we saw companies like Wiserf that's doing that. It has these tiles that you can place on your desk that enables wireless charging. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, one more thing. One more thing. All right. From the fourth thing, they also uh-huh. have a pretty big ambition in terms of getting involved with the local government to actually build out the smart city of uh-huh. smart cities of tomorrow, and the idea is to bring the streets into our sharing economy right now. 
the on-demand sharing economy. Interesting. And they are trying to insert themselves as a pioneer in that field, which is really interesting to watch for for such a traditional car maker mm-hmm. to transition into a full-blown mobility software yes. company. Yes, got it, got it. So yeah. number two, right? Is this where we're at? Yeah, number no, that's number three. The four that's number three. three. Okay. The number two, I actually had to give it to the uh, reimagining TV keynote with okay. the CEO from Hulu and Turner. Hulu and Turner, all right. Yeah, that one is interesting because it really shows how much uh, urgency that the traditional media owner is feeling right now okay. regarding the dis- disruptive uh, forces that came from the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Not just the Netflix or Amazon Prime, but also Google and Facebook that are get- getting into the video space. Even Apple really coming out with their original theory left and right. Um, so their strategy already the only thing they can do right now is to focus on the user experience, whether it's Turner deciding to cutting down on their ad, ad load. Yeah, yeah, they actually have yeah. those. So, yeah. like, like, so this, this is uh, coming from a TV background that like is something that we were kind of like like made aware of that they're trying to now um, increase the content and then like cut down the ad time and then so that way it's like you know a, a better user experience. I think so that's it, great. It was something yeah. that like that they were testing now because I mean for me personally it's like I'm a binger. I will yeah. I will sit down on a weekend and watch an entire episode of shows now and it's or I'll just buy it on iTunes like I don't like, I don't understand me, why they don't, don't overlay it so for example during the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs they had when you were watching on uh, MLB Network you had they showed the um, just the players toss around the baseball yeah. but they actually had the commercials overlaying so it looked a little picture in picture and that I think that was phenomenal because you're still seeing the ad like you. At this time, when you're scrolling through your Netflix, scrolling through your Instagram or Facebook, you don't need audio. You don't have audio mm-hmm. on, so you could just see the visuals, and you're seeing an overlay, and you're also seeing the background what goes on in sports. So I think that's a that's an awesome approach. I don't understand why these streaming broadcasters don't do that. Well, they're just slow to innovation, I yeah. guess. But yeah, uh, the CEO of Turner actually did acknowledge the importance of esports in their portfolio right now. They have a big play in that. So that was really interesting to hear. Yes, and then I would, I, and I would have to say they had a Street Fighter tournament here at the Sands, and the winner was presented a check by Shaq. So that was just fantastic. Amazing. That was, that was just awesome. Well, they also, <laughs> yeah. They, Shaq was here as well. Shaq was here, which is, which is huge. Esports is big. We had an awesome esports panel, which is great. Yep. We also um, had an awesome esports uh, podcast yes, with the do. Twitch guys, which is also great. But now we're going to number one, right? Yeah. Is this it? Well, we're rolling into number one. All right. The creme de la creme. What is it, Richard? Lay it on us. It's the 5G Innovation Kino featuring CEO from Qualcomm, Baidu, and Verizon. It's a really interesting keynote because I think it really shows how huge the impact that 5G is going to bring to the entire consumer technology. Each of those three companies really shows they have a distinct distinct viewpoint on how 5G is going to be implemented and they all have different angles attacking this uh, bringing 5G to life. So for example, Qualcomm being the chip maker, yep. they're far more concerned with the standardization and the regulatory surrounding it. Uh, for a little background, just before uh, the Christmas break, uh, the regulatory body that actually governs the global cellular standards actually just rectified the first 
of 5G standardization. So it's like the first big step towards actually setting the industry standard for 5G. Mm -hmm. And now both T-Mobile and Verizon has their plan to start rolling out tests in select city by the end of this year and then all the major carriers has planned to roll out 5G network by the end of 2020. And that the tentative plan, not sure it's gonna happen, happen on okay. time, mm-hmm. but it never does. And it, it never does. Projects never roll out on time. Um, but I would say, so just, I mean, quickly, so like, like 5G, like, can we give a quick background on, on exactly like what 5G is? Because like right now we have LTE, um, and I just want to you know, give everybody a, a quick overview of exactly what this is, because like this is going to be, um, people keep talking about it, but the actual implications of what 5G holds what is going to be enable. just, yeah, yeah it, it, it kind of like powers an entire new, um, I kind of like you know even like user experience, consumer behavior. Um, so Richard, I'll leave it to you to kind of sure. give, give, give a quick overview. So what is 5G? Well, imagine that multiply the speed of your current mobile data connection by 100 or 200 times and cut their delay that you get from the responses to almost imperceptible and with added security and also radically increasing the network size. Those are the promise of this fifth generation cellular technology, which is what 5G is. As a more layman's understanding of this is when you go to a music festival like Coachella, your phone always cannot handle it, getting no signal because everybody's on their phone. Well, is it the phone or is it the networks can handle it? It's network, but with 5G, with the increased network size, they can handle it. And everybody will get way faster uh, connection <coughs> and increased bandwidth as well. So that mm-hmm. was really interesting. And with that, it really comes a big increase in terms of data collection and also the kind of thing we can deliver over mobile and wireless gadgets. The kind of uh, high definition, 360 degree live video that you usually only with only high speed connection can deliver will soon be able will soon be available over wireless cellular network. And the implication for autom- autonomous cars is even bigger. The mm-hmm. idea that suddenly everything is connected with this kind of high highly secure low latency network that can allow the cars to talk to everyone and everything. That's really gonna be big in pushing self-driving car to market. But yeah. I also think with 5G, right now we're also we're tracking a lot of things through uh, fitness trackers, through Apple Watch, but with 5G, we're just gonna track even more things at the same time. Yes, completely. Yeah. Crazy. The, or like the quantum itself, data, you know? Data, 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 data. It's crazy how much data, data we're gonna put out there once 5G is here, or as even hardware gets smaller and smaller and these yeah. sensors get smaller and smaller. Yeah. So. That's a really interesting point if you think about it. Like everything is about the data and the software, you can overlay the hardware. So even as Adam was saying earlier that CES started as a gadget show and mostly is about the hardware, the real innovation nowadays really come from the software side or really the network side. Mm-hmm. So if you see, go by my list of those keynote, the worst one, Huawei is purely focused on the hardware that doesn't really, at least personally, I'm just not impressed. But the 5G one and 
you in the HoloLens, let's talk more about the dynamic of the market and the future possibility to come. That's what really excites me as, as someone at the lab. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now it's Richard Yao. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. And then I think we should get Ben Hone on. This. B Honesy. B Honesy's been here. I see yeah. you. He's he's I, a, I see he, you on he's been a peanut report. gallery back there. Just uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that tech wreck. <laughs> yeah. We're, the rumors are that you're gonna come give us your tech wreck. Is yeah. it the black? You have to go beyond sure. the blackouts. We all know yes. about the blackouts. We all know about the blackout. Well, actually, you know what? Not maybe everybody doesn't know about what happened at the bla- about the blackout in the LVCC. So Ben here again was with Josh and Christina locking down the LVCC, and I believe you were on a tour when it actually blacked out in the convention center. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there was a big blackout on Wednesday in Central and North Hall that like lasted about think, I like an how hour. you're thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> it so far back, it's like oh, I think it was Wednesday. Yeah, I don't even know what day it is today, but <laughs> it's Friday. Um, don't, don't apparently, worry. everything was shut down aside from South Hall. So a uh, couple lucky tours got to spend a, a good portion of their day <laughs> checking out all the robotics and uh, some of the the drones. And, uh, and stuff in the South Hall. So what what did you see in the LVCC? It could be North Hall, Central Hall, or of course the South Hall. Uh, that really you know blew you away. Kind of you know made you be like, aha, that is um, incredible. So I had to fight for this one big time in our scouting meetings, but I was really impressed with Casio. So we all have seen 2D printing, obviously. 3D printing is a big trend, but Casio has a two and a half D printer. And stick with me here. What it We're does, trying. It's able to print textures. And the podcast is out of time. Uh, ben, thank you. Thank you so much. So this is exactly what I was dealing with in the scouting meeting. But the thank you, Richard. So Casio has a proprietary filament essentially that is a they call a digital paper. It has micro powder that is heat conductive. So um, when you print, it's a it it, um, activates the micro powder in the paper and expands to create very realistic texture so you could print wood grain or leather and it all feels somewhat real so i mean you could think about you know having the ability to print an apple watch band in your house you're channeling that clothing in general um yeah so i mean i don't know i thought it was cool obviously you know two and a half d printing is not really the greatest marketing term um you know you're gonna get a lot of laughs uh, right off the bat, but I think that it was interesting because it's kind of the first step towards being able to print things uh, that you know, like well, clothing, that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because when we take a look at it into like kind of the future of retail, I mean, like this might be one of those um, experiences on, like in store that can really like, help really, like, really customize sure. and, and and kind of bring that level of personalization in store. You know, up. Yes, yeah. I mean, having those kinds of things in store to personalize uh, different watch bands or possibly wallets or clothing whatever it might be different clothing whatever it may be is a good way to get people used to the to using that kind of thing so that once the uh the printer itself becomes more uh affordable and smaller then you know you might even see them in the home absolutely something else that i saw uh, that was not in lvcc it was actually over at the sands which i think is the 
One thing that I'm going to be adding to my personal shopping list is ooh, ooh. the. Can, can, can I take a guess? Sure. Nano Leaf? I don't even know what that is. Oh, okay. Well, I'm buying one. So go on. Continue. No, what, 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 is in, what is Nano Leaf? So, so, so Nano Leaf. <laughs> I got to say, you guys really treat your special guests well. <laughs> <laughs> No, Pan, go no, on. Go on. No. I'd love to hear about Natalie. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. No, I just got I just got really excited about Nanoleaf. It's like yeah, it's like LED displays. They're awesome. They're like little triangles that you can like connect together and it makes awesome different patterns that have different uh, colors. So it's like I'm I'm looking for a lamp for my for my living room and I can put this on the wall and, and that'll be my lamp. That's actually amazing. It's bad. Yeah, you yeah. can't get mad. It's pretty at fantastic. That. And then just no way. Yeah. LED displays. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Listen, Mr. 2.5D <laughs> 2.5D printing. But also so as Adam pointed out, they recently announced that they now have a square version that is like touch sensitive. So now you can like walk up and touch it. And when when you when you touch it, it'll change the actual display itself. Squares and triangles. Squares and triangles, awesome. baby. I'm glad we carved yeah. out some time to talk about LED yeah. displays. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, so go They're on. Changing the world, man. <laughs> They're changing the world. The product that I'm going to be adding to my personal shopping list was from Whirlpool. The microwave with Alexa integration is really cool. I think that microwaves traditionally have terrible interfaces, so you know it's tough to tell what temperature you need to set or the time. It's just you have to click too many buttons. So I like the fact that you can now say Alexa cook me buttered popcorn pop it in and that's it yeah I love that so Nova introduce yourself to the audience hi I'm Nova um I'm 18 I'm a freshman at Lehigh University and this is um I'm in the business school there and probably gonna major in marketing so it's very exciting yeah yeah um and it's my first time at ces um and i was just like ready and excited and i'm very overwhelmed but like now that i'm done it's pretty cool so i don't know if you know but you're next to two celebrities yeah pseudo celebrities pseudo celebrities i'm very lucky yeah Follow us on Instagram, Snapchat. We have it all. So welcome to Floor Nine. Welcome to Floor Nine. How's Thank it feel? Yeah, um, I feel very honored to so, be here for our first time. See, yes, sir. What yeah. were your thoughts of the show? It was a lot. It was yeah, very big. Um, oh, I like my dad disappears every year for like a week, and I don't hear from him. And so I <laughs> we actually know so, the feeling. So I just get yeah. text at like three a.m. being like, "Oh, sorry, just saw this. I'm done." So I didn't really understand what was going on. It's funny. I get the, I get those too. Yeah, I was just, yeah. <laughs> but in the form of email. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky I get a text. But um, yeah, it was a lot. It was really cool. Um, I felt very grown up in the whole thing. Yeah. So And, and so do we. So, so what, was, what, what was the favorite thing that you saw on the floor? Um, I was really intrigued by the iBot. I thought that was the dog. What is, what was oh, is that oh. Segway's new robot? Yeah. That's a yeah. Lot yeah. Of follow, that follows that you around? That was cool because I, like, I mean, I just saw a general theme of like robots kind of taking over the things that we do every day. Yeah. And so like the dog's just like a first, like that's like, the most like tangible thing you can do, so you can completely cut out pets. Yeah, right. It's That's like sad. you don't. Well, and, and here's the thing: now there's also a connected pet door in the sands. So yeah. now, now, now your robot dog can go to a connected pet door uh, into your connected home, yeah. and we no longer need love or affection. We're yeah. just solely, and, you know, robots. And it's funny. Here, here we are, which also connects to your Alexa if you have one. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So tell. So you. So you. So you. You, you were talking about the whole net, like the, like the ultra carbon Netflix experience. Yeah. So what? So tell me about that. So I don't know. I just saw like these two bodies encased in this glass and there was like fog and I was like oh that's weird and we so we checked it out and then he was talking about 
like saving your consciousness and putting it into like new skin and I couldn't really hear him so I was like all right I'm intrigued I'll keep going <laughs> like, oh now you can pick any body you want like pick your skin tone you can pick like color of your hair your weight you can like just alter your body and I was like this is really strange why haven't I heard about this on the news so this is <laughs> this is this just happened this is live now everybody you can upload to the you I know, know that, yeah. I turned to my dad and I go why frame. haven't I heard about this he goes it's CES and I was like oh okay it makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're waiting of for course now. of course every year it's like oh of course it's the CES and makes, then there's it makes a, a lot of sense then there's a body in a bag and I was like, this is really strange. And they're like, the woman's like, you could touch it. And my dad's like, yeah, yeah, touch it. I was like, I don't really want yeah, to do no, that. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm okay. She's All like, right. yes. Well, like, how'd it feel? It was, yeah. Felt, was it, it was cold? So yeah. I didn't touch it. No, 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 I didn't want to. Did you do it? But it was, it was really not fun. I don't know. I didn't like it. And then we watched the video and it was a Netflix trailer. And I was yeah. like, oh, great. Uh, it makes now. more Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's kind of funny because like, so we were talking I about am, it. I am. I'm going to watch the show. Yeah. Well, so that's one of the things that we've been kind of seeing is that, you know, so like Variety had their whole entertainment panel and traditionally CS is a hardware show uh, now it's kind of going into software but yeah. I mean it's even yes. it, it's everything now so maybe next year like, we'll, we'll see more of these entertainment brands really yeah. kind of like coming out here and you know putting up like little pop-up booths for you know promoting shows or you know mm. movies what, whatever it might be so it'll be interesting to see really how the show develops over the uh, next few years I thought it was a, like a very smart thing to do yeah. especially because like I, now I know what the show's about yes or, like now I'm very intrigued. So. so let me ask you this. When you got to the Sands and Sands Upper, were you overwhelmed of what what you could actually track? Because you saw like sleep mattresses or connected mattresses, yeah. activity trackers, smart soles, sneakers that alerts oh, you, so when like you, yeah, when you when you fall. Yeah, when you fall down. It goes back to your smartphone. So it's like if you don't have the phone, you can't do anything else. Right. So that's what I was thinking. Sound like your dad right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did say that first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, asterisk, uh, footnote, uh, credit chat. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Also, did you now? Did you any of the, like the like the super exciting stuff like the BMW driving experience? Because I want to do that. And we didn't do many. I didn't do any no. of like the. I didn't wait on any. Do lines. I like drifting the cars out there? No, no. I can't even drive. Yeah, they drifted. Really? Uh, my license. You have a license. I I got too scared. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you don't even do it anymore. Because <laughs> it's like, fine. It's, we're the, going to autonomous yeah, anyway. Yeah, with, so yeah, it doesn't really with, matter. Yeah, with Uber and Lyft and the fleet of autonomous vehicles that are coming our way and the trucking. I mean, I who, just I don't who, trust it. I. I Wait, what, driving or just the cars themselves? The autonomous vehicles. Interesting. Don't knock until you try it. Don't knock until you try it. I would love to hear your perspective knowing that you don't have a driver's license, what it's all about. Like, if I can't trust myself, like, I don't know. As long as there's, like, an ability to override it, that's what I was, like, like, manually, but, like, you would have to be the only person to do it. Like, that's Mm. what I'm worried about. But here's the thing. When it comes to convenience, will you be thinking about that? Or, like, oh, I I can actually just hop in this car? Because, you know, so the way I look at it is that, you know, like humans are just so accident prone just in, in our lives in general mm-hmm. and you know we've seen uh, these autonomy like or these autonomous vehicles be on, on the road and when there's an accident you know I think it's happened twice now or once it was never the robot's fault because right. like because like they follow a very precise set of instructions they know exactly what they're doing and it's like they will not deviate unless they like like the code tells them to well that's what happened with Tesla they're like they there was a whole scandal with the crash and then they yes. realized that it wasn't the robot's fault yeah it well, wasn't it yes wasn't their and fault. no so yeah. it's about lighting because of how the light hit the truck right. but essentially it's only gonna get smarter from here so this right. is actually yeah. the floor of autonomous vehicles so yeah. let me ask you this did you step foot into Eureka Park Yes, I did. Can you tell us from your eyes the change from going from the North Hall, South Hall, even Sands Upper, and then going to this Eureka Park? Well, I thought the interesting thing is they're all ideas, and like yes. that they can all be um, like picked up from other companies, and like they can all just be transformed and used for other platforms. Um, I saw a lot of cool things. I'm trying to think about. Um, 
I mean, how was it? Temp- so much. How <laughs> how was the temperature down there? Did you it notice cold. it was a cool ten degrees warmer, or was I, it? Fine? I was cold the entire day. Actually. Were you really? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. little like lo and behold, like a little background. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday when we went down there, you had to throw elbows, and it was a oh yeah solid ten degrees warmer. Like you would walk down there, and like the heat would come out of it and, yeah. and hit you in the face. And it That's was called so, sweat equity. Yeah, literally, that is the sweat equity. <laughs> it was a lot more crowded down there. Yes, there was a lot of people. Yeah, like like I said, like, like those are the dreamers. Those are the Kickstarter projects, the Indiegogos, the you know, like like the like the like the garage, like the actual garage projects that are really mm-hmm. coming out of there. So, and it's, now it's really it's a global stage. It's a global audience down there because like yeah. France was there, Italy, and they had these huge, huge um, booths, and it's super exciting. Like I love it down there. And here's what's gonna happen: ten percent of those companies will move up eventually, so up to the Sands or other exhibit if, halls. If that, and then only five percent of those companies will actually sell a product. Right. So Peekaboo was here was here I think three years ago, and they mm-hmm. finally actually started selling their actual product to consumers. Yeah. And, yeah. So Absolutely. Looking forward to coming back in probably five years and doing what you guys are doing. Yeah, there five we go. Years. You come back next year. We need to, we, we need I don't think I'm gonna come yeah. back until yeah. I have to come back. Yeah, it's we're, like, we're, yeah. we're short staff. We need an intern, so. so. So Chad, I would say introduce yourselves. Tell the tell us who you are, what you do. Uh, yeah, you look familiar. Yeah. I've seen you around yeah. the office. Uh, that's right. That's right. You have seen me around the office. So I am I am Chad Stoller. I have a bunch of different roles here. One of them is I am the uh, global chief innovation officer for UM. The other one is I believe I am in charge of all of you and this equipment. This yes, you are. He's yes, the man yes. that signs the checks. Time. Yes, you that's are. I sign the checks. I snap the necks. <laughs> <laughs> I come correct. It's, it's the whole thing. And then I'm also, I guess I still am the uh, managing partner of the IPG Media Lab or whatever the role might be that establishes some sort of financial control yes. over the organization. But I'm actually, this is the first time I've been on the podcast. So. Yeah, and we're excited to have you here. Yeah, so now I really have have to like follow it and really get a better understanding of it. I've always liked it to this idea that it was just going on and it was just successful. I didn't have anything to worry about. And now that I'm seeing how this thing gets done, and maybe I should maybe worry just a little. Well, bit. This, yeah. this, is not, this is great because we got Nova's point of view for first time CESer. But this is what number twenty. This is the, the deuce zero. Deuce oh zero. Yeah. So can we? Get a little insight like how everything has evolved so, in your so eyes. So it's actually funny is that Nova and I were walking around the uh, Central Hall. And remember how they used to have like the, the bigger innovation showcase there? Um, you know, like they used to have like the showcases there. They, now they moved them all to the Sands. Now yeah, it's actually yep. in a big room in the Sands in that registration area. Yep. So now they have a timeline of um, innovations from the Consumer Electronics Show. Okay. So I immediately was like, let me find my first CES. And I think it was 1995. And what was shown there was a flat panel television. Wow. And I remember that the format of content that was so popular was SVHS. I mean, that was like, that was the ideal platform. It was, and people were starting to play around with this idea that you might actually have a pure digital uh, computer file, you know, movie files. Like, because at the time we had QuickTime movies and stuff like that, but this idea that maybe one day, you know, studios would release movies as files and stuff like that. So we've certainly come a really long way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really funny because you think about that and uh, you think about the first flat panel TV that was kind of shown. And then you walk directly into the Central Hall and you see the new LG booth with all the curved glass. And I was just thinking about like what an engineering marvel that company is. Like I really do think that one of the stories that I'm taking away from CS this year is how LG seemed to have leapfrogged Samsung this year. 
Like, I really do feel, like I told Nova, I feel like uh, this is going to be a rebuilding year for Samsung. It's like they missed the playoffs. They traded off all their players. And I feel like LG has kind of come up and, um, you know, they found a couple of yeah, pitchers. Yeah. They got a guy who can play the middle infield. And, uh, you know, and a catcher. It's like signing yeah. uh, Giancarlo Stein. Yeah, that's a yeah. little different story. But I just, I mean, basically what I feel like is, is that there was really something special about that. Like, um, I feel like they've achieved a great deal. And it's like OLED is truly what everybody wants. Everyone thought LG was crazy, that they were going to limit themselves in the market by selling such a high-end TV based on a certain type of technology, but now everyone's chasing them. Right? Right. You have Sony mm-hmm. buying OLED panels from LG, telling people, well, but we process the picture differently and stuff like that. But um, it was so is that going to impact um, mobile screens? Because right now, it's like Samsung really has a stranglehold on who actually makes these OLED screens for mobile phones. Is is LG going to get into that space from your point of view? I think LG is already in that space with their phones. I just don't think that there's a big enough market for the LG phone in the United States. Like I think after mm-hmm. after Samsung phones, there's a pretty big drop off. I mean, but after uh, the iPhone. And then you get into the Galaxy phones. I think after that, it's a significant drop-off, and then it's split by so many different manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if LG is really price price competitive and so forth, but I do know that um, you know the panels themselves. You know, I don't know. Is, is Samsung making the OLED screens for Apple? Yes, uh, yes, uh, yes, they are. Yep. Well, and they're oh, 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 they, they are oh, getting oh, they so moved to LG. Adam, Adam, probably getting a news from some sort of Slack channel. Yeah, that you have to pay for. Is, uh, no, that you have to pay for. You have to pay for indirectly, and and there's no receipt that anyone can find, <laughs> which is, tends to be the trend. But I do think that uh, I, you know, I think OLED screens are great but they're really great when they're like above 40 inches, when they're greater than 40 inches. Like, you know, it's great. You can have, I mean, I don't know a lot of people who really are watching movies on their phone. I know people are watching clips and we know that that's where more video time is going. But the fact is, is that when you take a step back and you watch something on an OLED screen, it's pretty impressive. But what's also very impressive, which I didn't expect at all, is that I wanted to go see some laser projection. Okay. So we went into the Hisense booth, and the Hisense booth was showing, I think it was like a 150-inch picture on a short-throw projector. Well, they call it a laser projection TV, which essentially it looks like it was a short-throw laser projector. And I don't know if the scre- if they have a screen that's intended to be a frame of a TV. I don't, I, I'm not sure. But anyway, it just looked really, really good. And right. so, you know, the way things are going is just so exciting when it comes well, to I mean, stuff. And I would say when, when it comes to like all these like, you know, hardware TV projectors and like actually like mobile devices, like for me at home, like, I just use my laptop and my phone. Like, like that's <laughs> yeah. like, like, like that's what I use. I totally get it. So, like, like, do you, like, do you think that, like, as we kind of like soldier on into the, you know, the mobile phone will still kind of become more of a prominent viewing device, or like, do we think that these screens will be? Oh, I think the mobile phone is definitely gonna. It, you know, the best device to have is the one that's on you, right? Mm-hmm. It's like what they used to say about cameras, and I, and I think they still say it about cameras. So I agree with that. But I do think I'm getting older, right? right. And so when I come to CES, you know, I think about like, like. You know, when I was your age and coming to CES, I thought about things a lot differently than the way that I think about them now, right? right? Like I keep saying to Nova, it's like, wow, I wish we had a house because there's so many things here that I'd like to like age in place and like yeah. have this stuff because it's like so exciting. Like I'd love to have a room with like a, you know, some sort of like $25,000 laser projector. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, but the thing is- can't, like, can't quite fit that. Yeah, in we a, can't write- In a New York apartment. No, no, nor can I fit the $25,000 yeah. into my budget. 
Yeah. Well, I can't even get a peekaboo in my house. But it's like these are the kinds of things where it's like look at them, and you know, and I say to myself, it's like there's some really incredible things that are out there that aren't necessarily portable or not necessarily about multitasking and stuff like that. But it's just you know, I'm starting to think about things that it's like, okay, do I want something like this in my home, and can I make an investment in it, not just necessarily in money, but also in time? Right. So let me ask you this: over time. When it comes to the change of interfaces, how's that? Like, have, how have you seen that evolve? So, from just like touching screens, from now controlling everything via an app, and now everything controlling it via voice. How have you, from your point of view, how have you seen this change over time? So, um, this is a very interesting question, and I think I think it's worth picking apart, right? So, the first thing when it comes to voice is that I think there are some controls that people feel comfortable using a voice for. Right, mm-hmm. turning lights on and off, I think, yeah. is one thing. Two, I think that if people are alone, they're more comfortable using their voice. Like I tend to, I actually use Siri quite a bit for setting alarms and sometimes yeah. checking emails. Sometimes I yell across the room if I'm on like, because um, I have a Peloton bike, sometimes I yell across the room to, for a reminder or something like that. So I think that's okay, but I think when people are in groups, they don't necessarily like to necessarily use their voice. In our house, what's actually funny is my wife will scream from the bedroom to the kitchen yeah. to <laughs> an Alexa command, which is pretty funny, which then I think necessitates the fact that we had to then get uh, more, we had to get an Echo Dot to put in the bedroom yeah. so Nina wouldn't yell it's across kind of the room. I do, but, this, I do the same thing yeah, in the mornings. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'll say at night, like right. uh, Alexa, set an alarm in the morning. It's outside of my room, so I have to yell at it or get out of bed to actually wake right. up. But do you ever think that your neighbor then is listening to you and saying, "This guy is crazy"? And yeah. there's, this, there's this person named Alexa in the house, and I feel really bad for this woman named Alexa. The, but the other thing, Angel, is that um, when it comes to controlling things by the smartphone, you know, for years people. So, like, I'm just going to use this as an example. I don't mean to keep talking about TVs, but people have been talking about using the smartphone as a remote control for a really long time, and it's a terrible remote control device because once the screen auto locks, that's that sucks, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you just want to put it on mute. You want yes. to change the volume. You want to change the channel. So I don't think it's a very good device, and I don't necessarily like the idea of using my smartphone for necessarily controlling things. I like using my smartphone for setting things up. So like going back to fitness devices, yeah. like I have a lot of um, you know bike computers and running stuff. And the best product that I think is out there, even though I don't use it on an everyday basis, is the Wahoo. Uh, Wahoo makes a, a bike computer called the Element. And what's so great about the Element is that you can configure the elements and all the data fields and all the screens via an app on your phone, which is that's all you want to do. Right. You don't want to set it up on your computer and then send the commands to the device. Mm-hmm. You don't want to use the, and like we've all used Garmin devices and trying to set up the data fields. It's just like it's a terrible, terrible thing. So I think that apps can be used for ways to set things up and so forth, but right. I do think that devices should offer some sort of control. We saw a great device today in Eureka Park, which was this beautiful device, and I don't necessarily, I feel bad that I don't have the name of the company. I think it was Sinex, Enix. It was right next to Hello Grow in the Hardware Club. It was this beautiful, did you see that? It was this beautiful, like, German-made stainless steel ring that is just meant to be a remote control for various devices. You would swipe down to select a device, okay? So you could say music, you could say TV, you could say something else, and then you would just turn the knob left or right to control its volume or another another feature set. So I do like the idea of remote controls that are designed for lifestyle Mm -hmm. and certain types of living. Um, but I do feel like interfaces keep changing, but I think that everyone wants to rush to something that is a technology statement, not necessarily a good usability. Interesting. Uh, right. Have you, so over time, and I, again, this is my fourth year, I've seen the drone in South Hall, the drone area get smaller and smaller. I've seen smart home products grow rapidly over the years. Now it was like half the size of Sands Upper. Yeah. Have you seen, like, has it always been this influx of size? Like, yeah. Up so, and, 
So so it's very interesting. So when when the lab first started coming to CES, or at least since I've been here, wearables were in, um, I believe they were in North Hall, and it was a very, very small area. And when I remember, they were all organized around the Ant Consortium. That was really it. And it was basically, it started with the Ant Consortium, and Garmin would be there, and a couple of other companies that basically made watches and treadmills, That and Polar was there, right? Mm-hmm. People like that. Then Fitbit kind of came on board, and it was like a really small booth and stuff like that. And then I remember when wearables exploded, and it graduated to the South Hall, where they basically said, we're going to make a dedicated space for that. But now, the wearable scene is actually pretty small. I mean, yes, most of it, it is, is manufacturers of like, you know, Me Too knockoff products or low end. A lot of Shenzhen companies that just yeah, from right, there. Right, they're factory companies, right? Yep. Like, and I do think that if you look at what's happened with companies like TCL and Hisense and Changhong, which were companies that were basically manufacturers first and then decide, oh, we're going to get into making a brand. Same thing is happening now with some of these wearable lines and so okay. forth. And let's not forget, like CES is a show for manufacturers to sell to distributors to sell to retailers. And sometimes they'll sell director retailers mm-hmm. we are all barnacles on this show yeah <laughs> so it's like sometimes we see these things and we're like why is this speaker company here and it's like oh yeah at the end of the day they need to sell them to some like you know mid-sized uh, reseller who then has all of these different stereo store accounts and stuff like that right and i think even this year um the ces the uh, or the cta is the, the yeah, Te- consumer Te- technology association, association they announced that they really set up a whole um kind of like manufacturing section this yeah. year to to help facilitate that actual like like connection between yes. your buyers and sellers. Yes. So that was pretty exciting to hear about. And, and something that was also uh, very consistent with that is that if you notice that in Eureka Park, there were a lot of, let's just say, trade organizations that had organized their entrepreneurs to come out there and do it. And it's funny, if you went into Eureka Park and bought your own slip, or at your own little booth, it may have cost you like around ten to twelve thousand dollars, depending on who you asked. The way these trade consortiums work is they brought these great ideas to CES and only charged them anywhere from a thousand to two to three thousand dollars, right? So what's happening is you have these trade organizations that are helping these companies bring their products to market in a way that's in line with the way that the the existing ecosystem works. But the other thing that was really interesting too is that the good ones were the ones that are basically helping people by having all of these companies making sure that a company that company A needs help in manufacturing in China so they point them directly to company B to make sure that they can share the same type of contact information and expertise. So I think shared knowledge is an underlying theme that's starting to really work. And I also think that, you know, the CTA starts looking at Eureka Park and sees the traffic that's going on yeah. in there. And they know that that's the future of keeping people to come back to the consumer electronics show. So they want to make sure that everybody has access to everything. And yes. it also helps them pull in the manufacturers to get them to coming back to CES. So right. it's, um, I mean, like, yeah, I've been coming here. I mean, I think I've been here 20 of the last 22 years and stuff. And it's like, you know, I kind of like shed a tear when I walked through the Central Hall and it's not as exciting as it used to be. But you, the South Hall, what, yeah, what yeah. is there in the South Hall? Not I, much. South Hall, I mean, you, you really have to, you know, it's funny is that uh, I was over there and uh, Nova and I checked out the Razor concept, the mm-hmm. contact Linda, yeah, yeah. whatever. And by the way, it's like, it's did great. you notice that the phone just really disappears into the, into yeah. the base of the By the way, that's like, that phone is great. That screen is amazing. Yeah, and the screen is amazing. I mean, I don't think the phone's been getting very good reviews. Yeah. However, it's also not the first time we've seen a concept like that. Yeah. Like, let's not forget the Palm Folio and 
and let's not forget. Like, but for Razor specifically, they actually do that. They show prototypes on purpose yeah. here to get reaction. That's exactly. And, it. Yeah. That's what, and I think that's what Razor does. And mm-hmm. they sell a ton of mechanical keyboards and all that. And uh, it was funny because I asked the guy, I was like, you know, I really want to get a, uh, a Razor keyboard. Do you have keyboards for Mac? And, Max? And the guy was like, I think we have one. And I was just like, like, that's it. And I, I said, I go, does it light up? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Multiple colors. And I was like, that's all I really need. He's like, you might lose some functionality. I said, as long as I don't lose That's totally fine. As long as it sounds good, feels good, mm. and looks good, I'm right. in. Exactly. I'm absolutely in. That's well, So any any other overarching trends that... Or specific uh, companies yeah, that you like? That you really love besides uh, your uh, little no, stick pop scanner, scanner. Your, your little pop scanner. scanner. And the Pico Brew. And I'm Pico really, Brew. really in on Pico Brew. Because yeah, you know what? Time. It's now been three years since we've seen... We've seen Pico Brew for the last three years. They're legit. The design of the product is great. Anyone who's ever tried... Like, you know, Nova and I were talking about this. You know, a few years ago, Nova bought me a home brewing kit, and we made it. And it was, like, crazy. It was so messy and yeah. everything. And that, that looks good. Um, and I've already run all the numbers for us to make sure we can also all get our individual keg kegs and stuff yeah like right that. absolutely um, but uh, no I love that um, I, my favorite one is that company short edition short edition is that what it was, is that the, it's the, that's is the that, name is that the actual name that, that's the actual name yes yeah. so I don't know if you guys did you guys talk about it on the show right we did but all by right. all means say I it again but the reason why I like things like that is I also like things that allow us to take a break from technology right? right and because sometimes it's like we just make these assumptions that everything that's so cool is on our phone but things are cool on our phone until that next notification comes in there's something about non-disturbed deliberate kind of discovery um, I had another conversation with the CEO of the company today because she saw me and she was so happy she's like, did you get my email I'm like I got your email we're already talking so we're getting one we, so Daryl wants to put it in the cafe yeah oh, Kasha was great because Kasha said Chad I love everything about it she goes but at UM no one waits yeah. I was like okay that's pretty funny um, so they want to put it in the cafe but the thing is that like I was telling her that I think it would be really really great to have Wikipedia entries oh. in there instead of just the the um, you know the the artists, the people that are writing the short right. stories, and she said to me, she goes, "We're here for people who are writing short stories," and she goes, "And everybody should hear a story." And I was like, "Okay, you know, I also love when people are passionate enough about their products." So, for more CES recaps, you can visit our Medium blog, which you can access through ipglab.com, as well as check out our Instagram. Uh, we've been posting. Uh, Instagrams and stories all week long. You can follow us at ipglab.com. And you know, if you like what you hear, share, tell your friends, share, give us an iTunes review. Uh, we would absolutely love it. So thank you so much, and we'll we'll see you we'll see you soon from New York.